Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stand by. program comes from executive producer Lillian Garcia. Every athlete is on this quest. Every performer dives in head first, battling real life challenges and overcoming obstacles in an effort to make their dreams reality. reality. Singer, songwriter, 15-year WWE host Lillian Garcia was the first woman to ever announce WrestleMania. And the first to launch her own podcast, which gives you an all-access pass to the human interest stories of elite athletes and extraordinary entertainers. Now, let's embark on another fascinating journey of chasing glory with your host, Lillian Garcia. Well, hello there to my CG squad out there. Welcome to Chasing Glory. It is Again, just always great to have you here with me. So excited for this episode. And yeah, I want to tell you, I've got so much, guys, to tell you. Uh, first of all, thank you for following me at Lillian Garcia on Instagram and Twitter, Lillian Garcia official fan page on Facebook, and the all new Instagram for Chasing Glory. It is at Chasing Glory Podcast. Guys, it's everything about Chasing Glory on there, all in one roof. All right, so it's easy, accessible audiograms, a little clips here and there, things that you won't get in other places. And I love Glory Fridays. Let me tell you all about Glory Fridays. If you guys tuned in last Friday, you saw who my guest for today was going to be before it was announced anywhere else. So every Friday, that's what we're doing at Chasing Glory Podcast on Instagram. We are announcing who the guest for Monday will be. So you guys know. You guys know who my guest is today. If you were tuned in, I'm so excited. And this is all because of last week's episode. So as you know, I was talking to Seth Rollins. What an amazing interview, right? He just really opened up. We got to know more about him. And like he said, he had never talked about the fact that he doesn't know who his biological father is, but that's okay. I mean, he had an amazing stepfather. And, you know, the biggest lesson I think there is just because you're born into a family doesn't mean that that's who becomes your family. So if anybody out there is going through that, you don't know your mom, you don't know your father, or you're having hardships with them, or, you know, any, any of that, 
Don't worry about that because you can form your own family. Some of your friends, your best friends become your family. And that's very, very powerful. We get to choose our family a lot of times that way. The people that we surround ourselves with, that we're really close and intimate with, that we really let in and and help us through this thing called life, and we help them, that is our core family. So I loved everything that he talked about. And as we were talking, you guys know know that I brought up my guest for today. I brought him up and told Seth what he had said about him, which was amazing comments about how he was the best wrestler that he had ever worked with and thought that he was the best wrestler out there. And I had asked Seth if he knew that. And he said, yeah. And he goes, it was crazy because I dressed up like him for two Halloweens in a row. And then I ended up having to, you know, not having, but getting the opportunity to work with him. And yeah, it's funny how life happens. So if you guys tuned in, and then you looked at my Instagram for Chasing Glory podcast, then you know that my guest today is none other than Sting. Sting himself is here today. So excited. Uh, We actually recorded this right before Monday Night Raw last Monday, uh, which by the way, I will talk about that. But thank you, Sting. I reached out to him immediately right after Seth's interview and I asked him if he would be on Chasing Glory and he was like, absolutely, let's do it. He's a fan of the show. So thank you, Sting, for, for opening up. I got to know a lot about Sting, things that I had no idea. And yeah, I, I have to say that Daniel on Twitter really nailed it with this. And I want to thank Daniel. Uh, if you guys follow him, it's at Danielson underscore 1983. He wrote to me on Twitter and he said this, when you look up a WWE star on Wikipedia, you only see the accomplishments, whereas Chasing Glory shows what it took to earn them. Whoa, drop the mic. Seriously, I read that got tears in my eyes. I actually reached out to him and asked him if I could use that. And he, of course, said absolutely and told me what this show has meant to him. And he said, you know, it is funny that you really think that these people make it overnight or luck. And then when you hear the show, you hear all about the struggles and what it took to get there. And that is something that you guys are going to hear from Sting today. But before we continue to that interview, I just want to say, like I said, I recorded this beforehand on Monday and then Monday night, Stephanie dropped the mic. (laughs) You know, when she announced and Triple H was in the ring and Vince McMahon, when they announced the first ever women's pay-per-view. Wow, that's a freaking milestone. And it's so exciting. And the thing is, is I know that the women are going to kill it. I know that they are. They've done it repeatedly when they've been put in elimination chamber match, hell in the cell matches. They've been put in money in the bank ladder matches. They, they are delivering in such a way, like a huge way. So women, I am so excited for you. And I can't believe the amount of love that I got and request for me to make sure that I come back for that pay-per-view. And guys, let me just say, if WWE calls me to be able to come back and announce and be part of that show, you better believe that I will be going back with bells and whistles on. I will say a resound Daniel Bryan. Yes, yes, yes. Because this has been part of me for so many years and I've watched these women 
and if you guys saw that, I posted it on my Instagram stories of all these pictures of everybody I've taken pictures with. I couldn't believe it, but I couldn't fit everyone. And I didn't have pictures with every single person. So sorry if you were left out, but I've had such an amazing, amazing journey to see the women's evolution. And it did start way back. I mean, geez, I started back in 1999, even started before then, but I worked with China. I worked with Luna. I worked with Terry Runnels, Ivory, Jacqueline. So amazing. And then see the evolution of that to Trish Stratus and Lita and Molly Holly and Victoria. And I mean, it just, the list goes on to then see the progression of where it went for Maurice and Eve Torres and then um, to Michelle McCool and Layla and my gosh, uh, Kelly Kelly, Melina. I, I'm telling you, it's just that the, the names keep popping up in my head and the in the faces of everybody as I've ever you know been able to work with. That then getting to work with Charlotte and Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch and Bailey, uh, seeing those four horsewomen, and then oh my gosh, Naomi and Natalia and Alicia Fox and. I mean, guys, I've gotten to work with everybody. It's incredible. And Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. And I mean, these women are killing it. So powerful. And it is an evolution that got us here. And so congratulations to everybody who has made this happen and I can't wait for this pay-per-view. And yes, I do hope to be a part of it. And we'll see what happens there. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, so there it is. So that's big, big news. And guys, before we go into this interview, exciting news, because it is officially the one-year anniversary of Chasing Glory. Woo! So exciting. So exciting. You guys helped me launch this a year ago. We launched it with Batista. If you missed that interview, you can always go back and listen to past interviews. And I encourage you guys to do that because as you see, you get to know these superstars in such a different, different way and a different light and their whole journey. And it helps you along the way. So yes, thank you so much for making Chasing Glory get to this point, a one year anniversary, and I couldn't have done it without you. So gracias. All right. Thank you to the sponsor that is paying for the show to bring it for free to all of you. Butcher Box. I will be talking to you guys about Butcher Box uh, later on. But if you can't, if you can't, can't wait and you want the special deal, just go to butcherbox.com slash glory and you will instantly see it is all fresh meats. And I believe in that all organic grass fed. It is important what you guys feed into your body. It is very, very important. All right, here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here is Sting's journey of chasing glory. For the better part of 30 years, Steve Borden, also known as Sting, has left a prestigious legacy in professional wrestling that very few can obtain. Born in Omaha, Nebraska, but raised in Southern California, Sting grew up with an athletic background and initially had no interest in pro wrestling. But after attending a WWF event in Los Angeles, he caught the bug to enter the industry. His career would begin in California, where he would team up with the future WWE Hall of Famer, The Ultimate Warrior, and would begin making a name for himself around the country to different territories as the Blade Runners, before splitting up after Warrior left for the WWE. 
Sting would rise up the single ranks and would eventually find himself in the NWA, where at the first clash of the champions event, wrestled Ric Flair to a 45 minute time limit draw, resulting in Sting becoming a made man. The Stinger solidified his place in history in 1990 at the Great American Bash, where he defeated Flair for the World Heavyweight Championship, a title that he would hold a total of seven times for WCW. While others bounced back and forth between WCW and WWE, Sting remained loyal to WCW up until the very end when he wrestled in the final match in WCW history against his old rival, Ric Flair. After turning down multiple offers, Sting decided to bring Legacy to a newer promotion, Total Nonstop Action, mixing it up with rising superstars such as AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and Bobby Roode. After a decade with TNA, Sting would begin to make appearances on WWE programming, including being a playable character in WWE 2K15. And at Survivor Series in 2014, Sting would make his first ever appearance inside a WWE ring, helping Dolph Ziggler defeat The Authority. After a career that had spanned four different decades, Sting finally had a match for the WWE and it just happened to be at the grandest stage of them all, WrestleMania. He would have a memorable match with Triple H, which had interference from D-Generation X and the NWO that left fans feeling extra nostalgic. The ultimate exclamation to his career came when he was announced as a member of the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2016, making him the first person to be inducted to the WWE and TNA Hall of Fame after having 25 different championship reigns in WCW and TNA. Outside the ring, Sting has raised three wonderful children and in 1998 became a born-again Christian. In 2015, he remarried. To this day, many people consider Sting to be the greatest superstar in the history of WCW and without a doubt, one of the best of all time. It's about to get real, raw and inspiring with WWE Hall of Famer, so you guys just heard a little bit of his bio this bio could have gone on for years literally <laughs> sting i'm telling you welcome to chasing glory i am so so excited to have you on here thank you so much for joining us well, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm glad to be here. Oh, thank you. You know, you got you and I didn't work that long together, but I feel like we made a bit of a connection in that short time that we knew each other. Yes, you are a very easy person to talk to and get to know. Very, oh. just very outgoing, courteous, friendly. You have all, all the right qualities. So it was just easy to talk to all wow. the time. So thank you. This is, this is going to be a breeze. I just know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope so. Here we are. So, you know, I, I thought about it's amazing how things have worked out in the last few weeks. So the way that I thought about having you on here was spontaneous. And what it was is, you know, I relaunched my, my podcast, Chasing Glory. I had Steve Austin on my show. Then I had Dolph Ziggler on my show, which then led to having Drew McIntyre because they're partners. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, but now Seth Rollins is in the mix with them and a storyline. So let me have Seth on the show. And then as I was talking to Seth, you came up and that's when I hung up the phone. 
phone and I was like, I have to get Sting on the show. And the reason that you came up was because I had read when I was talking to Seth, I, I had read where you had said that you found that he was the most talented professional wrestler that you have ever seen or worked with. And I spoke to Seth about that, got his take on that, and then found out that he dressed up like you for Halloween for two years in a row. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Yeah, I've I've used that a few times uh, with him. As a matter of fact, I, I believe that I shared that in my Hall of Fame speech. Oh, I did talk about right. that and, and some others that you know they they. I can't believe how many wrestlers. Fans too, but especially wrestlers yeah. that actually dressed yeah. up like me for Halloween, and you know, some of them surfer sting, some of them the crow sting, and uh, I, I think it's kind of funny. It's 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 humbling actually. I was going to ask you how you felt about that because I mean, as I'm reading on and and getting to know more about you in depth, right? Because I again, you and I touched surface, but I really wanted to get to know the person of who you are. I'm sitting there finding out that like you've affected, of course, John. Cena, Shelton Benjamin, Cody Rhodes, uh, Kurt Angle, Bill Goldberg, Kane, AJ Styles, Goldust. I mean, the list goes on. Bray Wyatt wants to have his final match with you. I, it, how does it feel for you wow. to have all of these people that in one way or another you've affected along the way? Uh, you know, again, uh, humbling. I mean, I'm, I'm a guy who didn't know anything about pro wrestling, you know, when I got started and, and just a, a young guy living out in California, living the life out there with no real direction, no real goals or plan or anything. And, you know, I end up in the pro wrestling world and, and just a little peon, you know, those first, you know, year and a half, two years until I started wrestling, you know, big matches against, you know, Ric Flair, world title matches. And, you know, never really uh, uh, having any, you know, I, I wasn't a second generation wrestler. I wasn't an NFL player. I wasn't an uh, Olympic athlete. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't anything, you know, I have the equivalent, the equivalent of a high school education, mm. a couple of years of junior college and, and that's it. And so all these years later to have done extraordinary things you know I, I give all, all credit to God oh, wow. <laughs> and, and don't worry about, uh, you know I'm, I'm, I won't I won't do a bunch of preaching don't worry but you know what you know God did it <laughs> he, he did extraordinary things with a very ordinary guy <laughs> I, I, and then Seth Rollins and John Cena and these guys are dressing like me for Halloween as yeah. kids it's, it's just like unbelievable to me I you know I was just gonna say I do not mind you bringing up God at all um, I think that we don't speak enough about it in a way uh, because he's helped me tremendously and I'm one of those people whether you believe or you don't it doesn't matter Um, you know everyone has their choice and I don't feel like I have to preach or you have to believe in him if you don't you don't you know but I know that he's done some amazing wonderful things and that's one thing that I do I did read about you you know being a born-again Christian and all I mean what let me before we talk about that because I, I want to know your life beforehand because you were born in Omaha, Nebraska, right? Yes. But raised in Southern California, which by the way, I'm in Marina Del Rey right now. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> I miss it. I really, I really do miss it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, as a baby, you know, my dad was a California guy. He was born in the in the uh, Pismo Beach area, Paso Robles, actually. Oh yeah, Paso Robles, yeah. So. He's a California guy and, and uh, had a buddy his in the military and set 
him up with my mom on a blind date and they got married. And my mom was from Omaha, her whole family. And it's funny because her family, all her brothers, there's six brothers and sisters. They were all amateur wrestlers and, and oh. uh, you know, some of them national champions. And, um, and then all my cousins, Wow. All her nieces and nephews, they were all amateur wrestlers. And, and, you know, she marries a California guy and ends up in California. And, you know, at the age of two, I was brought out there with my mom and dad and, and uh, the area of California that we grew up in. There wasn't any, any wrestling out there. We, we didn't have pro wrestling on TV. There was no amateur wrestling. Wow. I mean, a little little town called Newhall, which is it's an enormous place now, Santa Clarita. Is yeah. At least, least 250,000 people there now. But, um, you you know, I, I had no idea what wrestling even was. It's, it's, so it's, it's amazing that I ended up where I ended up. So how was life for you then growing up in California? I mean, it was good, you know. Um, overall, it, it, it was good. You know, we had a, a mom and dad, had a great set of parents who, you know, tried their best to teach us right from wrong and I know you didn't want to talk about the God thing uh, yet but I didn't grow up with God I didn't grow up with God I'm just 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 for the record there, we, we did not believe in God, or if we did, we, we sure didn't want to have anything to do with going to church and, you know, didn't, didn't want to know Jesus Christ or anything like that. Um, but, you know, mom and dad taught us, you know, right from wrong and tried to raise us the right way. Dad coached us in, you know, football and baseball and basketball, and, and you know, we all wanted to play sports. I have one sister, two brothers, and, um, you know, we went through the, the, the system and kind of pushed through. <laughs> yeah, and um, really kind of going nowhere, and uh, at least at least for me, um, you know, I mean, really none of us, you know, did anything. My sister Kelly, she went to UCLA, and and uh, but we were so. Uh, we ended up so dysfunctional in so many ways. Um, now, now it's a different story that, you know, God has totally put our family back together and, you know, mended things up. And, and so we're all doing great now and everybody's happy and healthy. Well, that's good to hear. Do you mind sharing uh, like in what ways, um, and maybe why things were dysfunctional? I mean, do you really, uh, do you attribute it to that God wasn't in your life or other things or, Oh yeah, a- absolutely. I attribute it to all, all, all to that. I mean, we we were going after everything you know our world calls success. You know, money, fame, fortune, whatever. Yeah. Success. You know, the the nice house with the you know the golden retriever in the yard or whatever, and the kids and the pools and you know whatever else the material things that we can get. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we we just we were living life like everyone else. I mean, you know, everyone else around us at least. Uh, and, and apart from from God, and so you know, by the time God was introduced into our lives, which was originally through my mother, um, you know, she found herself you know away from her family in Omaha mm-hmm. and in Southern California, and you know, with four kids, and you know, Dad, we were blue collar, you know, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, um, we had a, a great life, believe me. But you know, we you know, friends had bikes and you know all the material things that and cars and, you know, through junior high and high school, they had the cars and, you know, for us, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't have all those things, but, 
you know, um, she found herself, getting back to my mother, uh, she found herself, you know, kind of in a world of hurt, you know, mm-hmm. uh, away from her family in Southern California, four kids and paycheck to paycheck. And she was invited to a, a, a little um, prayer gathering with some of the women in the neighborhood at a house next door. And she she ended up getting getting saved. Uh, and so that's that's where it all started was with my mother. So what how old were you around then? Do you remember? I was probably eight years old, somewhere around seven, eight years old. Okay. So now you've yeah. got your mom that has found God and, and kind of introducing it to your family or like, was that tough? Like for your dad, did you believe right away or do you remember that? Oh, no, no, none of us did. I mean, my mom tried to get us to go to church on Sundays and, you know, my dad didn't want to have anything to do with it. And, and none of us kids, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to go to church. It's like, you know, if we, we wanted to go to the lake, we wanted to go to the beach. We wanted to, you know, we didn't want to live by a set of rules, you know, mm-hmm. so, so we thought, you know, it's like, okay, we, we don't want to live like that. And, and so, you know, we just, we want to sleep in on Sunday or whatever. And, um, so we kind of rebelled against the whole church thing. And it was just a little few pockets of times that I can remember being in Sunday school as a kid, you know, with, with my brother and, and uh, my sister was really small and Mark, you know, was really, really, he was probably an infant at the time, but, uh, you know, it just, uh, we we just rebelled against it and and you know we we turned into young adults and got through high school and you know partway through junior colleges and big universities but you know no one ever got any any degree or anything like that and and uh boy we just we found ourselves you know we all loved each other we were all very close but very dysfunctional you know it's like you couldn't be around each other very long <laughs> right the the fighting you know. would start is that what you mean Oh yeah, fighting and disagreements, and you know why are you living your life like that, and why you know why would you make that choice? Well, that's a stupid idea, you know, whatever. And and we just we were just dysfunctional. Although we loved each other, we just didn't know how to, you know, really love and respect one another and prefer the other. And we didn't, we just couldn't figure all that out on our own. <laughs> right, <laughs> as many families out there. You know, there's many families out there. They're in the same exact position right now. But but when they're in that position, like we were, we had no idea. We just thought right. we were normal. You know, yeah. we, 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 this is normal. This is life. You know, this is this is the way life is. And so we just didn't think anything of it. I mean, your your eyes are not open. At least ours were not open until God did come into our lives. Right. So how did you? What was like the biggest struggle for you then growing up? Well, it's funny. I heard you say, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin was, you know, shot as a kid and and Seth was an introvert and and I was I was all the above you know I was a a pretty shy you know once you got to know me you know I had this personality and you know I used to love to impersonate people and imitate people and do different accents and so I had a a personality but it, 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 it took a while you know I had to really be around some people that I knew and trusted and then then I was pretty outgoing but you know I was I was insecure uh, as a kid and even all the way through junior high and high school, very shy with females. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, of course I had, you know, I was normal and, and very attracted to females and, 
you know, so yeah. that was there, that was intact, and there was nothing wrong with me in that area, but I was just very, very shy, you know, I, I found it very difficult to have conversations with them, um, and, and even even now, even today, I, it, it can be difficult for me sometimes, uh, you know, to be talking with a female, so. Uh, <laughs> well, I appreciate yeah, you taking the I, call I, with I, me. <laughs> You're doing great with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> It, it, it's it's mind-boggling to me too, knowing what I know about myself and the way I was. How in the world? How did I end up a pro wrestler? Yeah. Why is it that when I was a kid, you know, I you know, I picture myself as a as a kid, okay, you know that seven yeah. or eight year old little boy I was talking about. I would picture myself being in the middle of you know either a stadium or an arena and performing. Really? I, I pictured myself, literally pictured myself. But I thought football, baseball, you know, basketball, football or basketball. Really, I was I wasn't that good at baseball, but. I think football, I was the best at football, but basketball was my first love. And, you know, a six foot two white guy, I was going nowhere in basketball and, and chose not to be academic all the way through school as well. So mm-hmm. I definitely was going nowhere. But, I, you know, I pictured myself in front of people and I never would have guessed ever in a million years that it would be pro wrestling because, again, when I grew up, where I grew up in Southern California, we did not have pro wrestling on TV. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I, you know, I ended up in my young adult years co-owning a gold gym in San Fernando Valley with a guy named Ed Connors, who was the treasurer of Gold's Gym in Venice Beach. And I managed the gym and ended up buying in and being partners with him and this big big dude with blonde hair would come in and work out and the gym would freak out and say, Oh my gosh, don't you know who that is? And you know, no, I don't. It's a guy from the Rocky movie. That's Hulk Hogan. I, go, <laughs> okay, I know the Rocky movie and I know that guy, but I don't know who Hulk Hogan is. Wow. You know, and, and um, I was the only guy because I actually, you know, grew up in Santa Clarita, which was just north of the San Fernando Valley. I would drive down into you know, the Valley to be, you know, either, you know, training the, in, in the L.A. area with uh, the guys at, you know, Gold's Gym in Venice Beach or in the San Fernando Valley uh, at, at uh, this other gym that I was at, uh, which turned into a Gold's Gym, and that's, that's where Ed and I became partners. And But, you know, Hulk used to come in, and I didn't even know who he was. Wow. And so how did I, how did I end up in this pro wrestling world? It's mind-boggling to me. Right. Yeah, because then you're, you know, you end up all of a sudden, you guys actually have this whole feud together. Like, that's just amazing to me how life, where it goes. Right, right. Full circle. That's right. I mean, the guy, I had no idea who he was. And then, you know, by the time I figured out who he was, I was like, wow, you know, not now I, you know, I'm invited to go to a wrestling camp and be a part of this wrestling camp and try to break into pro wrestling. And I, and I see Hulk actually in action at the sports arena in Los Angeles pandemonium to coin the old eighties phrase, you know, and, and people just going crazy, red and yellow bandanas and t-shirts and everything all over the place. And I mean, I, it, it was the, the noise was, you had to cover your ears. It was so loud. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I, I, I really want to attempt this. I'm, I'm going to give this pro wrestling thing a serious run. And, uh, you know, I finished that camp and got myself booked with Jim Helwig, who, you know, was the ultimate warrior. We started out as a tag team. Yeah. And, 
and uh, and then we split off ways, and I ended up, you know, with you know, fused with Hulk Hogan, the guy who. I had no idea who he was. Yeah, who was in your gym. That is incredible. You know, before that, I want to ask as far as what got you to the camp to begin with? I was running that gold gym, and a, a little little guy came in, a little guy named Rick Bassman, who had three three big dudes with him and said, hey, we need a couple, we need three memberships, and, you know, we're trying to break into pro wrestling. I'm going to manage these guys, and, and do you mind if I put a poster up in your gym? We're trying to recruit one one last guy. <laughs> and they tried for weeks, and, you know, nobody bought into it, and then finally he said, what about you? You know, and I, oh, man, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to do that stuff, you know, and <laughs> he's showing me pictures, and, you know, I'm looking at pro wrestling illustrated in the magazines and all that, and I'm like, you know, nah, I mean, it's fake, you know, I don't want to do that. And that's, that's when he said, come on with us to the sports arena and let's just watch, you know? And we went, I mean, the, the whole, that whole day and that whole story, that, that's the story in itself right there. Yeah. But, um, when, when I saw that, when I saw the people and I heard that, you know, I went, wow, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think I want to try this. <laughs> well, it makes sense because, so. you, like you said, you're eight years old and you're seeing yourself in a grand stage and... All of a sudden, now you'd already tried football by this time. By the time you had the gym, yeah, I played football as a as a as a kid all the way up until high school, and but you know, six years of full contact football, you know, helmets and pads and all that. The little kids that that, that, that mm-hmm. play in those little leagues, the Pop Warner leagues, and I was one of them. But you know, and, and I was good at football. I just I didn't have love of game. Mm. For football, and so it's funny too because both my sons, they, 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 that's their sport was football. Yeah, uh, I loved, I loved basketball, and and that's where a lot of my closest friends were playing basketball anyway. And I was just drawn to it for all those reasons, and and that's where I went. You know, by the time I hit high school, you know, it, it was all basketball, nothing else for me. Yeah. So, so what happened then with basketball? Uh, again, I chose not to be academic in school, and and uh, you know I watched a, a lot of my buddies. They they went off to you know bigger you know four year universities, and they continued their their basketball career. Um, and a couple, a handful of us, we stayed back, and and we ended up going to the local junior college. And I I tried a couple of years of basketball in junior college, but it was then that I I realized this is going nowhere. Hmm. And and uh, <clears throat> I just could not wrap my head around. Uh, you know, the books and studying and schooling and educating myself. Um, I, I had a few really good teachers yeah. um, all over the years who they knew how to teach me and I did well. Um, but I was more of a social guy. It's funny, the introvert, the shy guy, but I was, I was very social and loved, you know, being with my buddies and hanging out and, and, you know, girls love the girls, of course. Um, and so that was my, that was my focus. And, and it's like, you know, everybody graduated from high school. Some of the guys went off to college, to the bigger schools and they left town and a handful of us stayed back and went to junior college. And I went, wow, 
this is real life now, man. I mean, there's no more goofing off. No more the boys will be the boys. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's like you got to grow up now, Steve. So it's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And, and I went to work, you know. I, I did think I, I had swimming pool routes in Beverly Hills, at least. Oh, wow. I used to clean swimming pools. I built swimming pools. Um, I worked in a, right out of high school. I worked in a couple of delicatessens. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I realized, oh man, this is real life, and I'm just now going to be another number. You know, I mean, there's nothing special about this life. What am I going to do? So. You know, I, I started bartending and bouncing, you know, in a nightclub out there in, in Hollywood. And, and, you know, it was around that mix of people, these these wannabe actors. And some of them actually ended up making it, making it big. But, you know, they were, they were trying to talk me into audition for movies and with no acting experience, which, by the way, I did. I auditioned for Revenge of the Nerds, that old no movie. No way! And, and, yeah, I actually got a call back on it. And the... The guy that got the part of the ogre, yeah, it was between him. It was between him and me. He got the part, and they they said you're 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 too handsome for the part. You know, <laughs> at the time, they said you you just don't. So, but I mean, with no acting experience at all, I almost got that part. And, wow. and so I was looking for something to do, and it was right around that time that you know, uh, Rick Bassman was his name, the guy that came into yeah. the gym that I co-owned and said, "Hey, we're trying to break into wrestling," and. And that's that's when I said, okay, you know, I, I, I got to do something, you know, so. Yeah. Do you remember the feeling? I mean, was it a scary feeling or did you feel like, no, I'm going to I'm going to figure this out. Do you remember back then, like what was going through your mind? You, you mean as far as where am I going to go with life? Yeah. Like, is it a scary feeling not knowing where you're going? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's almost, uh, you know, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing, too, you know, because it, it's like. What what are you going to be? You know, where are you going to be 10 years from now, mm-hmm. 20 years from now? Um, you know, and of course, I wanted to get married and, you know, I wanted to have my own kids and my own family. And uh, but, yeah, it's, it's like, gosh, I mean, you, you don't have anything to offer anyone, really. Mm. <laughs> so so, it, you know, it was it was scary. It's like, you know, I don't want to be a. A nobody, or uh, you know, I don't want to be one of those guys, one of those people that just have absolutely nothing going on in their lives. Wow! So yeah. fast. So fast forward. I would. I would feel like now with the legacy that you have made for yourself in wrestling, it's been pretty fulfilling. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, lots of good and bad, bittersweet. Um, would I do things differently the next time around? Yes, I, I, I would. Um, some things I would. Um, but, yeah, overall, it's, it's, it's been a good experience. I, you know, by the time I did leave California to start my wrestling career, e- even that was a little bit, you know, it's like I always worried about, you know, what other people thought. It was... Mm. 
not good. I know, but I always thought, you know, you know, from my parents to, uh, you know, my girlfriend at the time who, you know, we got engaged and we were going to be married and here I'm going to go, what, what are you going to be? How are you going to support our daughter? How are you, you know, I want to be a pro wrestler. Suddenly I'm going to be a pro wrestler. I go through this wrestling camp and I leave town and, and I'm working for this small organization in, in Nashville, Tennessee, Jeff Jarrett's dad. Oh, wow. Jeff Jarrett, you know? Yeah. That's the, he, he's the, he's the one who hired Jim Helwig and me. He said, yeah, there's four of you, but we all, we, I only want two of you. I want the, the two guys in this picture I'm looking at. I want the guys to the far left. And that was Jim and me. And, wow. and so, uh, we, I left California and, and, you know, it was kind of a embarrassing thing almost. It's it's like, oh man, you know, for all my buddies, it's Steve. He's, he's like, what's he doing? What did you hear what he said? Oh, he's a pro wrestler. What the <laughs> heck is he thinking? You know? And so it, it was good to finally, finally, you know, make a name for myself yeah. and be globe trot, globe trotting all over the the world and and you know, wrestling against these great names is like, wow, you know, I'm, I, something did happen. When you decided to go to Nashville though, and, and you said you were engaged, how, how did that work out? Well, it, it, it was rough. I mean, uh, first of all, we were two very broken people with two big bags of crap that we put together and made one big gigantic bag of crap there's mm. no other way to put it but that's just that's exactly <laughs> what it was and and you know i didn't i didn't know how to be you know what does it mean to be a husband you know i mean what, what does it mean you know i i had no idea what i was getting myself into and and you know i didn't know how to treat treat a woman right and and uh so it it, it was rough and and i was away for six months doing it um we got married and then I went away to continue and it was another six months before she left California and came out to be with me. Yeah. Um, and, and so then in those days, you know, you're, you're wrestling 300 plus days a year yep. and a lot, a lot of it is driving in those days. At least it was, it was a lot of driving you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles every week, you know, right. Sometimes thousands. It's just, just, craziness and and you know you're you're doing you know every holiday easter sunday you're doing two shows matinee show and a night show christmas eve christmas day new year's eve new year's day fourth of july it didn't matter right and and you 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 were, you were working all those days and you know you're away from your brand new wife and you know she's spending for herself in a place she doesn't know she's away from her family it was rough on 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 both of us you know and and, and you know there were times i was sleeping in my car so there was no money either it, it, it was very rough very rough in the beginning and, and it's funny you look at the schedules now and even though it is so tough you look at what you guys went through and like you said working on christmas day and stuff at least now there's no working on christmas day <laughs> well i don't know the other i think it was last year that they actually had to travel on christmas day or something like that but it's just the schedule continues the life right right you know it's uh i don't want to say it was worse then but you know the conditions were worse that's for sure i mean you're 
you know, you're, if you're in the cockpit of the car with two or three other guys and, you know, you're splitting rooms to try to save money and you're not making any kind of money and you're driving hundreds of miles and sometimes wrestling in front of a few hundred people and that's it, you know, it, that, that's, that's rough. Yeah. But you do learn, you do learn the trade that way. Right. So, you know, now, you know, they, 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 they're, you know, we're all flown around and, you know, we all have, uh, you know, we're all in nice hotels and we have catering at the shows. Yeah. (laughs) And really good catering, by the way. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, it's a lot different now. So, yeah. So what would you say, like during that time, were you, were things clicking for you or, were you ever going, what the hell am I doing now? I've gotten into this and is this what I want to do? Oh man, there, there was one, one day, um, my wife, who's now my ex-wife, um, she, she finally came out to, to be with me and we had two shows, a matinee show and a night show. I, I don't know what time of year it was. I can't remember. Uh, it was not winter. I remember that. And we were in Lake Charles yeah. that day, and and we were in Lafayette that night, or vice versa. I can't remember mm. which one is, you know, they're both off I-10 mm-hmm. in in uh, in Louisiana. And so we drove to the first one, did the matinee show. I had her with me, and the second show you had to head west on I-10, 90 miles to get to the next show. And I said, man, you know, I was just depressed, man. I mean, there's no money and, you know, it wasn't going anywhere. And it was just so, I was a little embarrassed about what was going on and, you know, with my life. And it's like, I mean, this is, this is what a choice, what a decision. What did I do with my life? You know, mm. I'm, I'm going to be the laughing stock of my town and my, you know, uh, everyone's going to say, what happened with him? And, you know, and so I said, man, if we just keep driving on interstate 10, we'll be home in a couple of days. You oh, know? Wow. And, and she, yeah, I mean, I was, I, if she just said, let's go, let's get out of here. I would have, I would have been gone. I mean, I was, yeah. I was done. I was ready. I was going to walk away from it. And she said, man, you've come this far. Don't, don't go home now with your tail between your legs, you know, mm. stick it out because the crowd, she said, I, I'm here in the other crowd. The, the, the fans, they're, they're reacting to you now, you know? And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. <sighs> so I, I decided to stick it out. Wow. And the rest is history. God almighty. What a, what a moment, right? To remember you in the car and then see where your life did end up going. What a moment. Right. And, and I'm telling you, I would have kept on, I would have kept on going. You know, we, we had enough money, gas, you know, yeah. to get home and get a, get a few hotels. And it's like, okay, let's just start all over, you know, back, back in California. So would so, you, and, you know, my, my dad, you know, the one thing he always taught me, you know, in, in his work ethic was, you know, never, you know, don't quit. And in sports, playing sports, you know, don't, don't give up, don't quit, you know. And so that, that that was kind of ringing through my ears as well. It's like, yeah, oh man, I, it, it, at this point, it would be just quitting. Chasing Glory with Lillian Garcia. 
Amazing interview so far, right? And I promise I'm going to get back to it as quickly as possible. But first, I want to let you know about something that is so important for you. It is my sponsor, ButcherBox. And the reason it's important is because what we feed our bodies is crucial. You guys have got to care because if you don't care about your temple, I'm telling you, it's not going to care about you. So the one thing that you can do is actually feed it food that's good for you. And when I say that, I mean like our meats. Now we cannot trust where the heck all our meat is coming from. As you guys know, there's been a lot of talk about foods getting fed or animals getting fed antibiotics and hormones and all the stuff that is not not good for us because it gets transferred to us when we eat it. So grass-fed is one of the best, best types of foods to eat. Organic chickens, free-range organic chickens, and also heritage breed pork. They are raised free from antibiotic and hormones, and they're mouth-watering at the same time. That's the best way. You're going to see such a difference when you taste this meat. Oh, it's so good. So definitely care about what you put in your body, care about your food. Now, what's so great about ButcherBox is you get to create your box. Do you want just beef? Do you want just chicken? Do you want just pork? I mean, you get to create this or do you want a combination of it all? And what's so great about the bacon? The bacon has no sugar, no added sugar, and no nitrates. That's important as you guys maybe have heard me talk about before. I can't eat regular bacon. Immediately my body reacts. Immediately I have an allergy to it. So with this, you can eat and feel good about what you are feeding. And for my Chasing Glory listeners out there, you get free bacon, free shipping, and $10 off your order. So go to butcherbox.com slash glory, butcherbox.com slash glory. They're going to send it free to your door. So therefore you don't even have to go and, you know, fight the lines out there at the grocery stores and all of that, which makes it so easy. So you can just do this at the convenience of your home, log on to butcherbox.com slash glory. You're going to see the deal there. You're going to see everything about the quality of the food, the value of the food. It's only $6 per meal, $6. So now they've made it affordable too, because eating healthy should not be expensive. Eating healthy should not just be for those that can afford it. Eating healthy should be for everyone, which is why I only bring products to you guys that I 100% endorse, that I believe in. So go for it. And tell me what you guys think. As soon as you take a bite, I want you to tweet me and tell me what you think. All right? ButcherBox.com slash glory. ButcherBox.com slash glory. Now back to the show. Now, now, now more Chasing Glory with Lillian Garcia. What I want right. to know is, you know, here you, you had such a love for basketball and that didn't go anywhere. And then you end up in pro wrestling. Did you get the same feeling and the same rush as you were getting from basketball? Oh, absolutely. Probably even better. I mean, you know, the camaraderie with the guys, you know, traveling with them and, you know, the dressing room and the stories and the laugh, you know, goofing all, just, you know, the life on the road. I mean, it can be monotonous and it can be rough, but there's a lot of good times too. Yeah. And then of course, you know, nobody, they're going to, they'll, they'll lie to you if they'll, if they say that, you know, the roar of the crowd means nothing. Right? <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it is, 
it is awesome, you know, uh, to hear the roar of the crowd and and not not to necessarily to be cheered, but but to have reaction, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, a big reaction, you know, um, and and in those days when we when I first started, it was more black and white. It wasn't quite so gray, you know. You had definite baby faces and definite heels, uh, you know, and and it was. It was good, and um, I I just I really enjoyed it. And, you know, to be you know fifteen, twenty, twenty five, thirty minutes into a match with with somebody like like a Ric Flair, yeah. And you're telling you know you're telling this great story, and the crowd is up and down and all around, and you know they almost can't even contain themselves. You know, it's a it, it is an awesome feeling. Um, you know, when the entertainment is good. Yeah, when it's good, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, not, nothing better, you know, so I, I loved it. When it's not so good, it's not so good. What Do you remember right. moments when it wasn't so good? Yeah, you know, I, I, I can remember, you know, there was, I won't name any names, but there were certain guys and, and, you know, one kind of in particular who I just, I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that I could have some kind of a match and, and get a reaction out of the crowd with just about anybody. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple guys over the years that I, I just, oh man, it was, it was painful. It was like pulling teeth and the, you know, the storyline was just, oh, it was, it, it was just boring it, it, it wasn't good it, there was no meat to it and and you're you're trying to make make it good but you just nothing's working yeah and and those 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 times you know i can remember watching i can remember being in the ring with uh the wrestler again i won't name his name <laughs> i was i was i was pretty new and i was still learning learning the ropes and and this was a veteran who'd been in the ring for a long time. Mm. And we were in we were in Chicago. I think it was the UIC Pavilion. And and you know, and we were in this wrestling hold of some kind, and the crowd started to, to do the boring. Oh, gosh! Oh my gosh! No! 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 Not this! Because I had seen them do that yeah. so many times on different nights with different wrestlers, and I thought, do something, do something, you guys. I mean, you're just sitting there, and it's it is boring, you know. And uh, and I'm like, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's wow. do something, you know. He he says, no, 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 you. I want you to, you know, don't let that crowd tell you what to do. You tell the crowd what to do, you know. And I. Uh, so boring, you know, and we get back in the dressing room and then, you know, he's talking to me, he says, I mean, don't, don't ever do that. You know, I mean, you, you, you will dictate what the crowd does. And I said, well, you know, this is the, one of the first times I ever spoke up for myself uh-huh. and for the wrestling industry. I, I, I said, you, if you want people to come back next time, then I disagree with you. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, if, if if they're yelling boring, it's it, it's because it's boring. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I I just for me, I was all I always tried to be very sensitive to the crowd and and tried to hear what it is that that they, they wanted, wanted, you know, or what they, what would light them up. 
But yeah. what a great lesson. I mean, as hard as that was, I'm sure it was so brutal. You think back to it, right? And you're like, oh my God. But it was a, it was an amazing lesson. A, you spoke up for yourself. So that was really good. And then B, you right there, you learned as to what, how to make Sting popular. Yeah. Yeah. Figured out, you know, little, little, uh, moves and, you know, from tights and scorpions and haircuts and yeah. <laughs> personality in, in the ring and all that. You just, you know, it has to be developed somehow. So, and, you know, you have to be willing to risk, that's for sure. If, if you're not willing to risk in the wrestling industry, you will never make it. Well, I think that's pretty much with everything in a way. Yeah. You have to, yeah, you have to step out of your comfort zone. Now, you said that you actually would do some things differently. Can you share, like, what would you do differently? Well, I'll turn to God a lot earlier in life. Mm. <laughs> that's the, that's 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 the main the main thing for for me. I I, uh, uh, I I definitely would have would have because I I just rejected. You know, my first my mother she started it, and then then you know I'm the oldest of four, mm-hmm. and then it was after my mother. It was years later when we were now grown up and adults and out of school and and all that that my the next brother down from me Jeff he got you know what I would call radically saved I mean you know one day we're living in a house both of us sharing this house and we've got you know parties going on there just about every single week and you know cops helicopters hovering over our house wow. you know people being arrested fights you know alcohol drug i mean we i'm telling you yeah. we were we were a mess and and uh and then one day he comes home and he, we have kegs of beer in the garage for that night's party and he loads them up and takes them back and returns them. What? I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm returning. I go, why? Yeah. He goes, because I'm, 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 I'm done with this. I'm done with this whole life. What? What? And then, you know, then, then he's, he's watching, you know, religious broadcasting on TV, which was horrendous, especially in those days. <laughs> and he's yeah. listening to, he's listening to Christian radio. Uh, he doesn't cuss anymore. He doesn't drink anymore. He doesn't party anymore. No more women, no more. I mean, what is going on? You know, and then I realized, okay, this is not just like an experiment. Mm-hmm. Something really did happen to him that is, it's bona fide real. It's miraculous. And uh, it, it was just too much for me. And then my sister, same thing happened with her. And then her husband. Wow. And then my dad. And that left my youngest brother and me, and and I just said, man, I want to get out of here. Wow. Because I do not. And they weren't judging me at all. (laughs) It's like, Steve, Steve, if you want to have your life, have your life. We're not judging you. It's just we don't want to partake in, you know, some of the stuff that you're, you know, we used to do and that you're still doing. We're we're just just changing our ways, you know. And, And so, you know, for me, I just said, no rule book for me. 
I want to go to the beach on Sunday. And if I want to have a beer, I want to have a beer in comfort. I want to, if I want to have a cigar and go out on the golf course, you know, with my buddies, I want to do that. And I don't want to have to worry about anything. And so now was this was before wrestling to get out of California. What's that? What's this that? was, this was before wrestling that all of this happened. Yes. This, this was, this was in ninth. Yeah. In just a couple of years before I left to go wrestle, all this stuff started to happen with my family. Wow. And, and again, my youngest brother and, and me, we were, we were the last two and, you know, Mark was beside himself. That's my youngest brother. Yeah. And I was beside myself and I was looking for a reason to just get out. You know, I, I wanted to move to Santa Barbara. Uh, I wanted to move to San Diego, San Luis. Uh, you know, I was just going to leave Santa Clarita and get away from my family because it was just too much for me. It was really, really awkward. And, and so when wrestling came about, I said, I'm out of here. Right. That was another reason why I was ready to just leave. Got it. And another reason why I didn't want to just, you know, go home with my tail between my legs because I didn't want to go back into that anymore either. Yeah. Now that so, makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for, for, for me, it was like in, in those days, no, don't, don't do that. Don't talk to me about Jesus. I, I don't want to hear that. And, you know, it wasn't until, you know, August of 1998 when I was at the very peak of my career. I mean, that was at the very highest, 97, 98. And, and, uh, you know, because some people say, oh, yeah, he was, you know, he he was starting to be washed up at that point. And so, you know, he he turned to a Christian, you know, to be a Christian and he got weak or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. I I had more money and more power and more fame worldwide than I ever had. And, uh, you know. Um, you want the raw deal here? I mean, the raw deal is I I was approached by my ex-wife so many times about, you know, life on the road and other women. And, and I, man, not only did I, uh, tell her no and lie to her, but I, I could make her feel so guilty for even asking the question. I was such a good liar. Oh, wow. But the truth of the matter is that there, there were, there were women, there were women on the road. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, and I was, uh, I was cheating on her, you know, throughout the whole thing. And, um, you know, I was confronted one last time, uh, in about 1990, Eight, August of 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I, I think I was probably, I don't know what it's like to have a nervous breakdown, but I must have been very, very close because, yeah, I had, you know, lawsuits from other, you know, one other wrestler in particular. I'm not going to mention his name, but um, sorry to keep doing that to you. That's but okay. No sense. You know, That's fine. But, but he, he, um, he uh, you know, he was suing me, and, and, and I actually feared for my life, at, you know, a couple times. Wow. Um, he was suing me for something that, that, you know, it was just, it was just crazy. And, uh, you know, Vince McMahon was, you know, 
tugging on me at the time and yeah. Eric Bischoff was tugging on me at the time and you know WWE WCW what you know should I make the jump what should I do and and you know all these companies making a variety of products with my name and likeness on it and just just there was so much going on at one time and everything was slipping through my fingers with all the power and all the money and all that I had I mean I was losing control over everything I knew that you know my my marriage was not good and you know I had these two young sons who I loved and they loved me and they needed a dad and I knew that I was messed up I was on painkillers and muscle relaxers I was drinking every single day the only time that I was sober for about a two year period the only time I was ever sober was when I was in the ring mm. or if I had to rappel out of, a, out, out of a helicopter or from the you know the top of the arena and down into the ring these were the only times that I was actually sober and and so for me you know in august of 1998 i was confronted one one more time by my ex-wife and she asked me about women and you know that it was just something came over me and i just i had to tell her the truth mm. and uh i didn't get caught but i confessed everything to her and you know there's scripture that would back up everything that i did you know if you want to now i am preaching James no it's 5, okay 16, James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Mm -hmm. And the fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. And so one to another, meaning the one that you have hurt, the one that you've sinned against. And yeah. so I did that. I, I, I confessed everything to uh, my ex-wife. I told her I, there isn't anything that anything she asked me, I was honest and truthful and, and uh, told her. And it was, it was horrendous. It was uh, one of the worst moments of my life watching her uh, life blood just come out of her almost. It was just, yeah. it was just horrendous. And, uh, um, you know, God, at that point, you know, I said, okay, I have given God lip service. I literally said this prayer, I've given you lip service, oh Lord. And I had, you know, I just, it's, nothing was real to me. It was like, wave your magic wand and fix everything. Yeah. You just fix everything. And, you know, he doesn't care about, you know, working with people like that. He, you know, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. So he, uh, first he wanted my heart and he never had my heart because it was only lip service mm. until finally August of 1998, you know, when I realized, okay, there's no amount of money, no amount of, uh, power, no, no drug, no woman, no man, no doctor, no, nothing. Right. Nothing is going to fix this horrendous, deep, dark despair. And I have messed lives up everywhere. Wow. And, and I can't, I cannot fix this on my own. I need something supernatural. And I said, God, I'm, you know, I surrender my life to you and it's Jesus Christ come and live inside my heart. And, and so that's what happened to me in August of 1998 when I was at the very peak of my career. Muscle relaxers, painkillers, alcohol, women, you know, a lifestyle, even language that comes out of my mouth. Everything changed radically overnight. And I was watching my friends die from this kind of a lifestyle over the years. I'm just like, you know, that's true. Knock, knock at the door, you know, no answer. So you got to push the door open, the chains there, you know, cause you've asked the maid for the key, you know, and you open the door and you see the legs and oh, he's in there, but you know, you go in there and, and, and he's dead. 
you know, yeah. or, you know, in the, in the dressing room, uh, clear, you know, paddles to the chest and you're trying to revive somebody who's literally flatlined, you know? And, and so we were seeing this stuff all, I was going to be one of those guys. And, wow. and, uh, and I, and I, I knew I was on my way, you know, to potentially, you know, not only losing my, you know, my marriage, my kids, possibly my life, you know? Yeah. And so the supernatural that I needed, uh, you know, I said, no more lip services is real now. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to live my life for you now from now on. Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, you, you, I want you to become my Lord and Savior. And, and so that's what happened to me in August of 1998. And, How and I've never looked back. That is so powerful. And I mean, it just goes to show you, you know, in this whole thing where we call the, the chase for glory, right? A lot of people think that it is. You're chasing um, fame. You're chasing money. You're chasing material things. And a lot of times, and I've seen it myself, I have a lot of friends that have a lot of money and yet they are so depressed. Yep. That's it. I, I was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I, I just, uh, for, for me personally, I, I was not able to, to handle, you know, the fame and, and the money and, and all the power. I, you know, I didn't, I just didn't know how to handle it. And, and so, you know, I, I made all the wrong choices and suffered all the most severe kind of consequences one can suffer. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, again, I, I've never looked back and, and, you know, I managed to stay in the pro wrestling world, even, you know, uh, with the, the massive change that happened in me in August of 1998. I mean, I'm still Steve, you know, I still love wrestling. I still love going to the gym and, you know, working out with the guys and, you know, uh, you know, being on the road and, you know, I, none of that has changed. It's just right. a lot of the choices that go with that have changed. So and, if and I don't, here's the, here's the amazing thing. I always say, you heard me talking about rules, rules, rules. I didn't yeah. want to live by rules and regulations. It, that that's why that comes from, you know, the, the enemy of our souls and that's the devil. And he, he wants us to believe these things that you, you know, you're going to live by a bunch of rules. I, I mean, if you're changed from the inside out now, now things are different. It's like, you know what? I, I don't have the desire to, you know, be so numb from alcohol and, you know, painkillers and muscle relaxers and whatever else. I don't have the desire now to, you know, every, all my desires have changed. Mm -hmm. So from the inside, everything has changed. I, it's not hard for me to walk by the bar, you know, yeah. when I check into the hotel. I mean, I walk right by it, you know. I mean, there's no sense for me, you know, getting close to the fire. For me, you know, I don't even want to come close to it anymore. So, so anyway. when you, no, it's fascinating. When you made that decision, though, and you said, though, that you do care or you did care what other people thought, how hard for was it for you then to be like, or did you even worry about what other people would say? Or did you even say anything or you just quietly just made this change? Well, there was no way, you know, I was kind of like a, a, you know, I wasn't a car that was sort of dented, you know, sitting in the, in the parking in the garage or, or the driveway as you drive by. And if you look real close, maybe you'd see a dent or something, but mm -hmm. you know, I was a total, a totaled car mm. 
so you drive by and everyone's going to go, oh, what happened? I mean, it, it was so severe of a change that it could not go unnoticed. And mm-hmm. um, it, it was very, very, it, it was not easy. Um, but I, I knew that, you know, one of the first things, you know, I had to do was, and I was taught this, uh, and and, I, and it makes perfect sense. But I was taught to tell people what Jesus means to me, who Jesus is to me, how my life was changed. Yeah. And again, literally overnight now, overnight. You know, I realized that I was really in bondage to a lot of things, and I had to—I was a chameleon that put on different hats depending on what company I was with. And then I woke up the next morning, you know, after being saved mm-hmm. in a radical way, and I realized, wow, I'm, you know, I'm—I'm I'm just a guy named Steve, man. I'm, I don't have to wear all these different hats take me or leave me, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, God, God was so big and so real and he still is, but then, and, and I knew that he was real and I knew that he came and I knew that something supernatural drastic happened to me on the inside because now my, everything was different. I looked at everything different. I heard everything different. Uh, um, uh, my heart, you know, I understood things completely different. What it means to be a husband. Mm-hmm. what it means to be a father, what it means to, you know, actually prefer other people ahead of your, of, of, your, of yourself. And, and so for me, now I'm losing track. Where are we? Oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's yeah. fascinating. I'm just wondering if it, you cared what other people thought people look yeah, at you and be yeah. like, Oh my God, who are you? And why are you doing this? Or, you know, ridicule you for, for the change. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, most of them not to my face. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I spoke with everybody. I can, I can remember vividly the exact conversations with somebody like Hulk Hogan, for example. Uh, you know, Eric Bischoff. You know, I, I, I told every everyone I knew what happened. And, you know, when it was time to go and, you know, yeah. being on the road and, and go back to the lifestyle. Come on, sing You know, no, you know, I'm not coming, you know. Yeah. And uh, why? You know, and then I tell them why and most all of them would say man good for you man it's good that you're doing that because man this lifestyle is it's 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 killing all of us you know i mean oh my gosh Uh, but i'm not ready to make that move yet (laughs) you know and i you know i'm not i'm not trying to you know i'm just saying here's what happened to me and then you know over the years i would have so many of them that would come to me names you'd be surprised about and and say oh, how'd you do it how'd you do it oh man i, I can't stop to you know i've been to rehab five times now i've been you know i've lost all my money uh, the government wants you know the irs is after me my wife and kids are gone i mean you know so many of them came and said how did you do it what do i do how do i how do i get out of this mess you know yeah and you know and i i, I try to help them as, as much as i can or you know stanger uh, you know can you bail me out mm. yeah <laughs> I, they, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in jail you know i mean and you know, i'd come and bail some of the guys out you know um 
And, you know, it, it, I, I got to say, I want to clear this up because it's going to sound like, wow, things are, you know, everyone's a mess out there. And that's not necessarily true. I mean, um, things have changed. I've noticed, you know, instead of, you know, the drugs and alcohol being so prevalent, it's, it's, you know, like video games now. And yeah. <laughs> dressing room area or, or even in the hotel room. And these guys are, you know, more serious now about their livelihood and what they're doing. And they, they got to think about their, you know, the choices they make socially and, you know, out there in the public. And so, you know, things are different now. And, and uh, you know, things are not going to be tolerated, in it, you know, like they used to be. I think that's uh, changed so. a lot. Like, if you look at even even rock and roll, right? Back then, rock and roll was all yeah. sex, drugs, and alcohol. And now it's a right. serious business where people are touring and you don't have that anymore. Do you? I right. Know, I, you know, you start thinking about that, like, like the change in the wrestling world, the change in the rock and roll world. That, what do you attribute that to? Man, I, 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 I think, to be quite honest, you know, you're looking from the outside in and saying, you know, what is the definition of insanity? Yeah. <laughs> you know, doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same result. It's like, okay, we see what has happened to a lot of these people in the, you know, entertainment industry yeah. who make all these choices. Uh, that's not working anymore. And look at them now, you know, half of them are dead. Right. The ones that are still alive, they're, they're minds. They don't even have a sound mind anymore. They're, I mean, they're messed up. Yeah. And they've lost everything. And I don't want to end up like that. And so I, I, I think people just got smart. I think you know? you're right. I think and, you're right. Yeah. That way. Seeing it for sure. Now, is that, have you ever come out and, you know, forgive me if there's so much right on every wrestler and stories and this and that. But I mean, here you are at the height of, you know, WCW, you stayed there for so long. You were, you were the most loyal employee I think of ever of WCW. Right. Um, but you're watching yeah. people like Undertaker and, and Triple H and, you know, all these people that are, are uh, Chris Jericho that left and, and went to WWE or WWF at the time. What made you not go? Well, number one, WCW would always give me what I asked for, um, y you know, and, and I, I knew that the commitment that I would have to make with uh, Vince was going to be a lot more, you know, being gone, a lot more time on the road, a lot more time away. And, and uh, you know, with WCW at the time, you know, I was able to kind of tailor make my schedule to something that was I could tolerate and something that was easier for my family, you know, at the time. Yeah. And, and they financially, they, they always gave me kind of what I wanted, but I was really close, you know, to leaving on a few different occasions. And I was ready. If, if WCW didn't give me what I wanted, then I was willing to take that risk and go to WWE. And, um, one of the other reasons why I, I never did, I've always talked about this as well is I, at the time, at the time, what, and, and I still don't know if it's accurate or not, but I thought that Vince wanted me as a talent to undermine WCW more than he wanted me as a talent, mm. you know, working for him. And, and so I, I just, 
always had that fear. And then, you know, some of the guys that, that, that did go up and especially after the, the big buyout happened, yeah. it wasn't even a big buyout, um, the hospital takeover and whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Yeah. And, um, you know, just the way some of the guys were used originally, I mean, it was just, you know, obvious that they were made to be second rate. And, and I just, I always had that fear, you know, of going up there and, and, and having that experience. And I just, I didn't want to do it. It's wild because I talked to AJ Styles, you know, when he came over and I asked him, I'm like, dude, what took you so long? Like, we've been waiting for you for so long and it's been such a great, you know, just having his presence there and everything's been going so amazing for him. And he looked at me, he goes, I don't know. I just, I had this fear of what it was going to be and it's completely different. Did you, once you yeah. came, did you feel like it was different? Absolutely. I sure did. Um, I, I was shocked at how everyone treated me. You know, I met the entire PR department up there in the big building up there in Connecticut. Yeah. You know, I, I went up there and met everybody and everybody, everyone, it wasn't false. It was real. The enthusiasm. I mean, everybody was just pumped to mm-hmm. have me there. And I felt, I felt pretty pretty secure about it and they treated me well and Vince has been nothing but respectful and good to me all these years and uh, by the time I ended up coming up there he, you know he was the same way when I went up there that first time I he wanted me to come in and say hello to him and you know he even he wanted to produce and direct uh, a lot of my spots that I did mm-hmm. uh, some of the stuff with Seth as a matter of fact you know that was a that was that was pretty cool for me you know oh that was so even in, great even being even being in the gorilla position you know it's like you're going to be sent off by somebody and Vince stands up and takes his headphones off and says nope I'm going to send him <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was pretty cool you know yeah. I mean, he really wanted to be hands on hands on with me and even as of, you know, recently in the last few months, he has proven himself over and over again to just show respect. And so I am, I feel great. Does it make you wish, cause you talked about how in this business you have to take risks and the fact that you didn't take the risk to come over sooner. Do you regret that? Ah, uh, man. That's not a clear cut yes or no, to be quite honest with you. I, I suppose yes and no. Okay. Um, I regret it, you know, because if I'd have gone a lot earlier, I, I think I could have had a lot of, you know, great years, um, uh, you know, with great people. I, you know, I could have had my Undertaker match, for example. I, I believe yeah. I, that was always my dream match. I think it's a world worldwide. It's a, it's a yeah. wrestling fans dream match, but I, you know, I always wanted to wrestle him, you know, and, and so many others, I mean, to be in the ring with the rock or you know, something like that. I mean, wow, what a great experience. And, and so I missed out on some stuff. I, I know that I did, but you know, the other side of it is, no, I, I'm glad that I, I did it the way I did it because, you know, I was able to be home. Oh, that's true. That's true. With, wow. 
with my my family, and I, I, I would never want to exchange that. Yeah, you know, that's the thing is, is I know that, um, I know especially people that have families, they make such a sacrifice in not being there. And sometimes they go, it's like they're on the other reverse of you, right? They go, man, I had some great matches with this person, that person and, and all that, but I missed out on watching my kid grow up. So I feel like there's always, (laughs) yeah, there's always a, a miss, you know, it's, it's definite thing there for sure. I want to know though. You look at somebody like The Undertaker that has come off of hip surgery and is doing great. I mean, he's moving around so good. How is your neck? I mean, do you are you really done? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really done. Uh, I mean, my my neck doesn't bother me at all. You know, for the first couple months after the match, it was I had like an ache that would go down the, the left side of my neck and down into my left trap, and you know. And it was like a dull ache that was just there all the time. And it was hard to sleep. And but I mean, <clears throat> I don't have any any side effects, any troubles. Um, so uh, you know, all I know is the neurosurgeon said you are so lucky there wasn't a catastrophe mm. that happened. You, you know, you've got ten places in your two spots in your neck. You know, cervical, spinal stenosis, or whatever it's called. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of guys have it. They don't even know. You know, my mine was diagnosed, and at my age, it's it's going to be more common. But I've got I've got a couple of spots that are you know the spinal cord is there's no wiggle room for the spinal cord in the spinal canal mm. and um, you know the wrong fall or the wrong you know even driving down the road if I get hit behind you know you never know so I gotta be I gotta be careful and it's it's sad too because <laughs> even at my age I, I feel like I could still go I could yeah. still have a a real good you know Undertaker match for example I, I think we could just we could have, we could tell an incredible story with both the gimmicks and the mystique of both of them. And, you know, I've had these ideas for 20 years, some of the ideas that I have in my head. And, um, it, it would be something I think people would talk about for a long time, but I'm satisfied, you know, I'm, 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 I'm happy with the way things turned out. I did have my WWE run. It was short, but I had one. Yeah. I did WrestleMania. I wrestled Seth Rollins. I wrestled for the WWE world title yeah um so I, I i can't i can't complain you know i mean uh you know I, I last year they had me go to dubai they had me go to london i was with kane shooting a commercial with him i had a good time with kane I mean, yeah was, you know it's just it's it's, it's all right still so being involved yeah you know? oh it's speaking of wrestlemania can i just tell you how disappointed i was in this moment that i thought i was gonna get so I'm in the ring, and you probably wondered, and I don't even know if we ever talked about this or not, but here you are, WrestleMania 31, and I get to announce your match, and I am so excited, and I'm like, oh my God, this is one person that I have never been able to announce, right? And all of a sudden, I have to wait. In order to give you an introduction, my cue is that they ring the bell. They ring the bell three times, right? So that's my cue to go. Your entrance comes in. And I'm looking over and I'm like, why is there no bell? There is no bell. What is going on? There is no bell. You get in the ring and I'm literally looking over like, am I not going to get to introduce him? And sure enough, they never ring the bell. 
I never got to introduce you at WrestleMania. <laughs> I was so disappointed. Yeah. Yes, you, you have told me that story. I, uh, I have no idea what happened there. Oh, man. I mean, I guess, you know, they were caught up in your in the whole entrance and people were maybe the commentators were talking so much about the whole thing and setting it up. But, oh, my God, I was so disappointed in the ring that I never got to announce you. Now, thank God that I think it was either a pay-per-view or Raw or something where I was in the ring and you and I have a photo together where I got to finally <laughs> give you an introduction. Yeah, yeah, right? And it was yeah. just, for me, it was so incredible because I've gotten to you know, such an amazing run of 15 years there got to announce from the Triple H's to the Undertaker to Hulk Hogan to Ric Flair. And then you came and I'm like, when I didn't get to announce you at WrestleMania, I'm like, oh, please. No, I have to. I have to announce this man sometime. So I'm so happy. No, I have to. Like for me, it was like, God, this is incredible because I'd been such a wrestling fan for so many years. And I always wondered, why is he not coming over here? I always wanted you to come over for me to be able to watch you in the ring and do what you do in the WWE because I had the front of the front row, right? I had the best seat in the house. And so I I was there that night when you came through, you know, as the statue of Seth Rollins and talk about me having goosebumps, you know, was seeing you because I didn't know that you were behind there. So I got to tell you, you've given when you came over, I mean, and even when you're at WCW, all of that, you have given us such incredible moments and uh, just watching Sting and your transformation. And uh, I love to hear the story, though, now of your transformation in depth of of, you know, where you were from from the drugs and alcohol and all of that to how you found yourself. And now you're probably more fulfilled than ever, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The peace that surpasses all understanding. I have it. That's <laughs> so, I mean, there, there, there is something, you know, beyond wrestling. And, um, this, this is something that I'm, uh, I hope some, uh, some guys, some, some of the guys get, you know, and, yeah. and gals, you know, the girls out there too. That, right. I mean, so yeah. what now, where, what's next for, for, for you? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely am, don't want to just roll over and die right. for sure. I'm, I am, I am, uh, very, very busy with, you know, um, not a brand new wife, but a new a new wife. Three and a half years now. Yeah, I got remarried, and so very involved, you know, with my marriage, involved with my my church, with my family, and wanting to um, continue in the real estate world as well. I'm 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 not a real estate agent or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I am. I have always been into the buying and selling of dirt. Uh, 1031 exchanges and so I'm I'm very interested in real estate and want to continue that. That's cool. So like you said, there is a life right after wrestling because that's one thing that a lot of people haven't really been able to find or the transition's been a little tough. Yeah, I mean I was uh, blessed over the years to make pretty pretty good money in real estate you know, apart, apart from wrestling so mm-hmm. and uh, I, I want to continue in that that's awesome. Do you miss the roar of the crowd? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I miss I miss it, yeah. I miss, uh, you know, those meaty storylines and, you know, 
being in it. Yeah. I, I really do. As we wrap this up, I just want to ask you then, watching people like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and um, Bobby Roode, you know, people that you wrestled with, and now watching what they're doing, how does that feel? I'm proud of those guys, you know. I mean, I'm, I, 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 sometimes I wonder myself why why did they why did it take them so long i mean mm-hmm. you know with wcw it's one thing but you know the, the whole tna thing i'm i'm not sure why they they stayed where they were as long as they did um but i'm glad that that, that they made this jump and and uh that they're doing well i mean that all of them seem to be doing great yeah. and and you know kudos to them all of them they're all good guys too man so yeah you 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 like it you like it when good stuff happens to the right people isn't that true and you know we talk about it even with aj styles he talks about uh being a christian and how much god is helping him and uh all the success that he's getting and everything too which is so great and that was the first thing when i met him i was like man you're just a good dude which is the same thing i felt with you i was like this is just a really good person and it's just so nice to to be around that, right? And especially in, like you said, the wrestling world. But it has really changed a lot, which has been so amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I know anything good that ever came out of me came came from God. So, well, amen. <laughs> amen, amen. How do people find you on social media? At Sting. Easy enough. Is that for both Instagram yeah, and Twitter? Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Well, I know that people want to keep in touch with you and continue to follow your journey. I This has been fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing your story here on Chasing Glory because it is, your glory has looked so many different ways. And, you know, I always ask this question, did your chase for glory, did it look the way that you thought it would look? No, the only thing that looked the way I thought was the, you know, being in the stadiums. Yeah. You know, with the, with the crowd of people around me. That's the only thing that I, I saw as a little kid. Uh, and again, football, baseball, basketball, not pro wrestling. Right. So, but no, it did not, it did not look, it didn't turn out the way, you know, I pictured. Right. It was above and beyond. Fascinating. Fascinating. Well, congratulations, especially Hall of Fame and everything. I mean, just you've got incredible accomplishments. And I just, you know, I hope that you feel fulfilled and you've shared that now you do because of of God, which is, is so awesome and continued success. And again, thank you for taking the time to, you know, speak with us here and, and give me your story. It's uh it's really incredible. And I just uh, look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Well, it sounds good. And again, thank, thank you for having me. And I, I loved uh, talking to you. You too. Thanks. Chasing glory with Lillian Garcia. Wow, that interview went completely in a different direction in a way than I thought it was going to go. But I'm super, super happy about it because I had no idea the story of him. I mean, I knew that he was a born again Christian, but I had no idea of the entire story of what happened to him in August of 1998 and how profound that was for him. And also what a dark place he was in, even though he had all this fame, all this money. Uh, he had the opportunities. I mean, he had, he was on top of the world to anybody else's eyes, 
right? So it's so crazy to know that inside he was so empty. And I know that a lot of that had to do with what he was talking about, how he grew up and how dysfunctional and how they didn't know how to communicate him and his family and the core of how you grow up and the core of everything that's around you and how it just continues to follow you in life. And it's just such a beautiful thing to know that he's in such a good place. So Sting, thank you. Thank you for sharing that and and for being so open and even talking about, you know, Hugh with, I mean, you didn't have to tell everybody that you were unfaithful to your wife, but it's also a beautiful thing that you opened up so much because I think that other people might hear this. They might be in the same exact boat that you were in and they can go, you know what? It is time to own up. It is time to face the truth and change, make a change for the better. So, wow, it just makes me love you even more. (laughs) And let me tell you guys, I mean, backstage, when I got to meet this guy, he really so humble. I just couldn't believe I'm like, this is Sting. He's finally here. I'm getting to meet him. Such a huge icon has made such an impact on so many people's lives and such a humble and nice guy. And then to hear too, like how he felt like he was going absolutely nowhere, didn't know what he was going to do with his life. And then how he turned everything around and how wrestling saved him. And then what a huge impact he's made. So, wow. Okay. Spread the word guys. You have to spread the word. You have to help me. I need my CG squad out there to let other people know, at least tell one person about the show. We're trying to motivate people and inspire people one listener at a time. So I need you make sure that you follow at chasing glory podcast on Instagram. Let's grow that community. We're all there together. There's going to be contests that are going to be run on there and just a lot of great things that are going to be part of that. So my CG squatters out there, make sure that you guys go out there and, um, yeah, like I said, spread the word, make sure that you rate the show, subscribe to the show. Thank you so much for the five stars. We continue to have a five star rating and I can't tell you what that helps. And that's in all platforms, like wherever you're listening to this right there, you can rate the show and you can subscribe. And that definitely helps the show. Thank you to ButcherBox also for bringing that amazing special. Don't forget, guys, just check it out. Go to butcherbox.com slash glory, and you can see all the specials that you can get there for my Chasing Glory listeners and the amazing meats that you can have and so that you can feed your body good and, and like I said before, as low as $6 per meal. That's nothing to get grass-fed meats. So check that out. Let me know what you guys think and continue to rate the show and let me know on Twitter and on Instagram, at Lillian Garcia. If you guys saw, I'm doing a little something different to my personal Instagram, at Lillian Garcia. Let me know what you think of that. A lot of work is going into that, guys. A lot of photo shoots and I don't mind. It's a lot of fun. So until then... Go out there and live with much peace, love, and passion. And above all, remember to always be yourself and trust that it's enough. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks for joining us here on Chasing Glory from executive producer Lillian Garcia. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends. And be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. With 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.